Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Sunday's Word of the Lord Digging deeper, getting more Monday Morning Homilies Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to Monday Morning Homilies. This is Father Manny Alvarez. Jorge is on vacation with his beautiful family. And this morning, we have with us Izzy. Good morning, everyone. How you doing? Making her season four debut. Yeah. Uh, Missed you all. She is ready. She's going to share this with a bunch of people. And we're ready to go. You took a lot of notes, I noticed, yesterday in my homily. (laughs) It's the normal amount of notes I take. Really? Okay. Every Sunday, Father. So yesterday, uh, the readings had to do a lot with humility, Mm -hmm. which is, I, I believe we could both agree that we, it's something that we struggle with. Yes. That's something that we need. It's something that we need in our in our spiritual life. And of all the th- crazy things I said in my homily yesterday, what what struck out to you the most? Well, besides you going on a tangent about sports. Yeah, I know. I, I had to. Um, you can talk about that later. Um, That's what the second, second segment is for. <laughs> um, you mentioned a quote that you and Father Uko were, that, that you guys spoke about yesterday uh-huh. morning. That, I started it off with that. Um. Correct me if I'm wrong. I put the humbled will know God. That's what I got. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Whoever exalts yeah, himself will be humbled. Yeah, that's from the gospel. But mm-hmm. you said a quote with Father Uko. Oh, humility uh, is knowing your position and learning to accept it. Which, again, how you said we struggle with it. And I know I'm one that I think I am holier than thou sometimes, to be honest. And it's. It is a humbling experience, like a humbling moment when someone tells you, like, hey, no, this isn't where you're supposed to see. This is how you're supposed to act. And it, it, judge, it judges it judges you. It doesn't, for me, it doesn't hurt me, but it, put, it reminds me of, like, oh, okay, God knows better. I'm, 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 I'm special, but I'm not higher than him. And then at the end, you ended your homily recognizing that he is God and we are not. So I think that's what all of us struggle with and mm-hmm. most people need to realize that someday. It's the first commandment. I am exactly. the Lord their God, they shall have another God before me. Mm-hmm. And that's the one we violate the most because when we think that we are God and we think about that, we think that every day, not mm-hmm. maybe in those specific words, that, oh, I'm God, but but we tr- we think we know better than him. We think we know what we need more than he does. Mm-hmm. And let's go, let's circle back to that quote, I mean, Really, it was something we discussed <laughs> over breakfast on Sunday morning. Uh, Father Uko and I, we, we were talking about it. And really, we weren't talking about the homily. We weren't talking about the reading. He just mentioned it. And he said, humility is knowing your position and learning to accept it. And I, and I mentioned this yesterday in the homily in that it's a little difficult because we live in a society. We live in, in, you know, in a world where, you know, if you're not in a certain position, you could always better yourself. Well, that's mm-hmm. fine. But what, what he is trying to emphasize, and, I, and what, how, how I interpret it is, we have to look at it from the spiritual life, not from secular eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, that when we realize where God has called us to, when we le- realize that this is, I don't want to say our lot in life, what I want to say is 
you know, this is our specific calling. Once we embrace that, once we say, okay, I've learned to accept it. In my life, I know there, there's been moments in my priesthood that I'm like, okay, I don't think I particularly belong here. I'm not mm. talking about a little flower. This is ages <laughs> ago. Uh, because, and it made me miserable. But just because I thought that, because instead of just saying, this is where God has placed me. I need to accept it. I need to, and I need to see the beauty of what God has given me. But I could go back even further. When I was 15 years old, I didn't mention this in the homily. I thought about it, but I didn't. When I was 15 years old, went to missions for the first time. You know, spiritual director invites mm. us to missions, invites me to missions. 15 years old, just spent a month away from home. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> go to rural Mexico. And I think I'm going to go there. And I'm going to set the world on fire. I may have told this story here on the podcast. Um, but I get down there, get down to the missions out in the mountains and all this work getting there to, to where we were. And they tell me, no, Manny, you're going to we're going to divide up everybody. We're going to have the adults in the church. We're going to have the, 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 teen, the young adults and the teenagers over there. And you and this other girl are going to take care of the little kids. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I came all this way to babysit? But yet, that's what God called me to. Mm -hmm. And the, when I accepted it, when I accepted that role, and I learned humility a lot, not only from the people that I served, but the missionaries that were, that were with me, I'm like, wow. This fifteen, because you know, you work with teenagers. I work with teenagers. They think they know everything. Yep. Okay. Ours especially. Mm -hmm. Okay. But when you re when you realize, wait, I don't have everything figured out. I have nothing to give because I'm only fifteen years old. But I thought I'd oh, I'm gonna go down there. I'm gonna set the world on fire. <laughs> preach the gospel just like the great missionaries of the church did. But you know, and I know, without getting into specifics, you know, in your spiritual life. In your life, there have been moments where you have been put in positions that you're like, eh, but <laughs> you've had to embrace. Yeah. And when you embrace it, what happens? Um, I become, I try to become closer to Christ and asking for courage because when it's those difficult moments that, yes, I try to be humble, I try to be a better person, but it's hard. Um, no matter whatever age, 15, I'm in my early 20s, imagine how other adults uh, go through that but we all go through similar situations um, no matter what the age um, you also mentioned towards the end of accepting our vocation as well mm -hmm. and I think um, young adults nowadays don't they might always want the best job th that gives the most money that, that you gain that you earn the most money excuse me um, but also the vocation of marriage, single life, religious life, it's always frowned upon when I talk about it, even though I'm not really discerning anything in particularly, like really towards something, but I think it's something that everyone should should go through because vocation is what's, what gets us to heaven. Our job, what, what we earn, what we live in, what we drive, what we have, doesn't earn, earn our position. Heaven is following our vocation given by God that we can be in that banquet with that banquet with him at the end of our life. Let me ask you a question because, let's say two two years ago, you weren't employed by us. Oh, two <laughs> years ago we, we we started school and we're like, oh my god, and then all of a sudden you you come in and 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 help us out with seventh grade and you did it out of last year and now you start again. Did you think two years ago you were going to be doing this? <laughs> no, not <laughs> at all. 
I actually was I actually went for another job uh, in the archdiocese. Unfortunately, I didn't get it. I was I was a little hurt by it. And then two months later, it was November, and I say hi to someone, and he said, "I heard that you work at Little Flower uh, at Saint Teresa." I said, "Yeah, I love it. Really, I do." And she says, "I'm happy for you. I think that's where you're you're meant to be." And I said, "Honestly." I think that's where I'm meant to be too right now because if I were to take, if I were to have that other job, I don't know how I would be. Um, but at the time, I wasn't looking for anything, and then God blessed me with this, and boy, has it humbled me a lot. Um, well, kids have a way of humbling you. No, the reason, I, the reason I yeah. asked you that is that okay, two years ago when we hired you, you were I think 21. I was 21. I okay. literally just turned 21. I just turned 21 and about to be 23, 23. and. You know, and, and when they brought it to me, I go, yeah, of course, Izzy. She's a rock star. Let's do it. <laughs> She'll, and and I've seen you interact with these kids, and I've seen you, I mean, obviously, most days you have a, you know, a face like, I want I want to kill someone. Because, you know, an, there's 90 kids that are in your care, <laughs> 90 seventh graders, and seventh graders, you know, are the ones that I avoid, <laughs> you know, but, I mean... They are they are they are a difficult age. You're not the little ones in sixth grade. They're not the big ones in eighth grade. They're caught they're caught in the middle, and you are, for a lot of them, you're like a someone they could talk to, a safety net. You are closer in age to them than their teachers are, uh, and you have more in common with them. Mm-hmm. They're not. Would you consider yourself a millennial or a Gen Z? Fortunately, a Gen Z. Yeah, yeah. You're. You, you, I don't. I think. But like the older Gen Z. Exactly. Because, yeah, you're kind of part of that generation still, Mahomeno. So it's yeah. like, you know, we, we you're there. So it, you, you have, although you're not the prototypical Gen Z person. You can be, but you're not. <laughs> you can be. No, what I'm okay, saying yes, is that. Yes, yes, yes. But what I'm saying is that, that I believe that you know, as your pastor, I, I've seen you grow into this. I've seen you, you know, you know, you know, flourish in and excel, and. And it comes from like saying, you know what? Even though you probably came in, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach these kids a thing or two. And and how many times do the kids end you end up teaching you more than a thing or two? Several times. Yeah. Especially this past graduating class, they they'll always have a special place in my heart. But they were the first kids that I met, really being in a classroom, and then and seeing they were them. Tough. <laughs> they were tough, but at the end, they they showed me that. Kindness is really, and love, kindness and love is what everyone needs. Even the ones that are tough, the ones that might not get any love or kindness at home. Um, and then now with this year, really trying to implement that. And I thank my my education here at St. Teresa, but also my education at LaSalle and learning that Salesian love, that Don Bosco spirituality that he did too, that he gave with his boys. Um, and he was a very, so many saints humbled themselves which I'm surprised you didn't mention any saints in your homily. I did, St. Augustine. Okay, yeah, that. And next week I'm going heavy on Mother Teresa, you so put, get ready. Oh, that was, a, that was a good quote. I have it here. So go okay, say it. For, correct me if I'm wrong. It was pride that changed the, angel, the angels into... It was pride that changed angels into devils. It, mm-hmm. it is humility, humility that, make, that makes, makes us, us like angels. Makes us like angels. Yeah. That's a good one. It is, and that's from St. Augustine because, see, we, are, we, we all have a sense of pride. Now, mm-hmm. there is a justifiable pride when we, when we want to take pride in our work, in the work yes. that we do. We take pride in 
you know, in presenting ourselves to God and take pride in our, you know, that's fine. But it's not something that, that feeds our ego. But it's pride, mm-hmm. but what, what, we, what we guard against is like, I want to be better than someone else. Yeah. I consider myself better than someone else. And I mentioned that because it, it references the gospel. That the gospel, you know, you have a guy that walks in and says, you know, I'm going to take my seat of honor up there. And, and Jesus, don't do that because you never know when the host may say, mm-hmm. you know what? That's not reserved for you. There's somebody more important than you here. So get out. Get out. <laughs> Giddy up to the back over there. <laughs> and you go and Jesus said, and you're embarrassed. You got your you got your tail between your <laughs> between your legs and you're and you're walking back there. That's you know, it's it's this sense of entitlement mm-hmm. that people have. And I cautioned against that I think yesterday in the homily, that we cannot have that sense of entitlement, that we have to walk in here. Because when we walk into a church, we have to walk in with humility, mm-hmm. knowing that we are in the presence of God. If we don't exactly. do that, well, then what are we doing there? We, we, there's, if you walk in there not, not recognizing that you're in the presence of God, not coming in with an open heart or humble heart, you're just wasting your time. You're taking up space. Mm-hmm. You said something that, that I don't think I've heard before, is that when we go to Mass, we get a little taste of heaven. Yes. And again, people might not... Think of that in that way. Little kids might, because you know we we have all school mass and the little ones. They're the ones that are saying everything so loud. And it's in moments like that, I'm like, this this is heaven. You mm-hmm. know, we are in the presence of God, especially because He is right there. You're, you know, you're doing your priestly thing <laughs> up on the <laughs> altar. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, but we have all the saints and the angels, and everyone that we. I've always thought of like everyone that we've loved, so I always imagine myself having my brother and my abuelita next to me during Mass because that's how I feel like heaven would be. Yeah, oh, there she goes. Anyhow, but no, you're right because actually that has always been the teaching of the Church. I think Scott Hahn is one that articulated the best, the Mass is heaven on earth. If you read the, the um, Lamb's Supper from by Scott Hahn, highly recommend it. Okay. Uh, the Lamb's Supper by Scott Hahn, he really goes into that because what, what, what Scott Hahn, and to give you a little backstory for those who don't know his story, and a lot of you probably listening too, he was a Presbyterian minister, and he wailed against the Catholic Church, thought that what we were doing in Mass was demonic, and one day <laughs> he just wandered into Mass. He's on a campus, or Salary Mass in the basement, wanders into Mass, and then starts listening to the parts of the Mass and say, wait, but, you know, they always say, no, the Catholic Church doesn't deal with Scripture. But you, lo- you listen to the prayers of the Mass, Lord, I am not worthy that you get under my roof. Holy, 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 Lord God of all. That's from that's from the book of Revelation. Hmm. You know, all these different things I that didn't we even say. Know that. Yeah, that's <laughs> why I told you read the book. You know, you know, all these these things that we say during the Mass and we take for granted, they come from Scripture. They come from a place that is firmly rooted in the sacred scripture. So it's not we that's why we shouldn't take it lightly. And it reminds us. That what the reading what the readings told us yesterday, you know, first the first reading from was from the book of Sirach. He said, "My child, conduct your affairs with humility, and you will be loved more than a giver of gifts. Humble yourself the more, the greater you are, and you will find favor with God." Mm-hmm. See that is so important because, and it goes to what Jesus says in the gospel: "Whoever humbles himself will be exalted, and whoever whoever exalts himself will be humbled." What did I say? It's halfway through the homily. I said, you know, I, you know, I came back from vacation early <laughs> August. You know, I had all these plans. I had all this stuff. And what did God do? 
boom. Knock me down. Shut up and listen. Yeah, shut up and listen. <laughs> and that's what humility is. I mentioned, I, you said I didn't mention it. I mentioned yeah, the Blessed did. Mother and St. Joseph. Yes, but you only yeah. mentioned that they're two good, great, no. oh, obviously they are two great role models of humility. And then you said the quote of St. Augustine. Mm-hmm. I no, I had I had many more quotes of saints. The thing is that, and this is what happens with homilies, that Father Uko throws me this <laughs> throws me this curveball during breakfast, and I'm and I'm pondering that. I said, no, yeah, it this is, a is good something one. because then knowing where God has placed you in your position, and I'm sure there's something lost in translation there, mm-hmm. but knowing your position and then accepting it, embracing. Whatever cross God has given you, embracing whatever call God has given you. you know, I've I've spoken at length about my vocation story, and it was you know, that piece of when you embrace that vocation, that piece of knowing, wow, you're 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 really you're doing the will of God, and if you're doing the will of God, you're going to be happy and you're going to be at peace. So, you know, and you, as a young twenty-two-year-old, who is very talented. Very gifted, very, um, you know, I'm sure you have. <laughs> no, you're just going to make me cry. Exactly. So, <laughs> where is it that you think that you need to grow in this virtue of humility? Grow in the virtue? Yeah, I mean, grow, just, oh. uh, just uh, I mean, the podcast title today is The Lessons, <laughs> know, of, the lessons of Humility. I, I didn't hear what lessons of humility? Um, used to, you do, I mean, because I can tell you what I need, but what do you need to learn from the lessons of humility? Um, when speaking with my family, sometimes I always think I, I know better than my parents because I'm young. Um, in some ways I do because they need help with the television sometimes and <laughs> they can only go to me. Mm-hmm. But in other things, I, I tend to ignore what, what they say because, um, I tend to ignore, I tend to ignore what they say because I, of course I know better. And then at the end of the day, we talk about it. And I think that's where I have to grow in humility. Um, at, at my workplace, it's, it's, a, it's a battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is. Sometimes with students, sometimes with coworkers, sometimes with just problems within myself. And I think that's I get myself in the way of things. And that's always been a problem with me. That I trust God completely, and he knows that. But when he tells me to do something, I turn to myself. I'm like, Izzy, you can't do that. You, you're, I get scared. So I think it's also learning myself to accept his plan, really whatever he calls me to do. See, the bells of the church are agreeing with you. Anyhow, <laughs> the bells God. of the church are going off. Um, <laughs> so, yes, we. the biggest obstacle of humility is that we get in our own way. Mm-hmm. That we get in the way of God's plan for us. That we don't follow what God wants for us. Go kicking and screaming. Excuse me. We go kicking and screaming, you know, because we don't want to go down the path that God has directed us toward. We want to go down the path that we want to go for that. Way. Exciting. Mm-hmm. That you know, that's <laughs> that's something that you know that really looks intriguing. But and we look at the path that God. It's difficult, mm-hmm. and it may not be all that exciting. You know, you think about the people that, that look at our nuns or look at religious life in period. And they think, and they look at, at priests that way the same mm-hmm. and say, man, they live a boring life. Do you think I live a boring life? No. Thank you. <laughs> You're so cute. 
Thank you. But but none of you do. No, and they don't either. I mean, do they have a disciplined life? Yes. Especially the, the, the nuns. Yes. Up very early. They have their prayers. They they have you know, even after a long day of work. If I have to tell you after a long day of work, Izzy, you have holy hour for one hour. You'd be like, huh? I would mess up. You would? I do it sometimes. There you go. <laughs> I I'm I'm just saying. You're in the trenches for all day. I'm I'm going I'm going in and out. I've got a, a lot of things <laughs> going on, but it, you know, yes. teaching is a marathon every day. You're running a marathon every day, and when you're done, you're exhausted. And these sisters finish that; they go to the convent and do a holy hour. It is admirable. It is. It really is. So that was one part of the homily, mm-hmm. and then I mentioned, okay, now with that sense of humility. We're called towards this banquet. And that's where the second reading comes in. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, with festal gathering of angels around the throne. And I said, okay, yes, he is describing the heavenly Jerusalem. He's describing heaven. But in a way, you can look at it and say he's also describing mass, mm-hmm. which is what you, you pointed out. You ne- but you've never seen it from, from that point of view. Why? Mm-hmm. Why did that strike you? about it yet <laughs> um is for someone i know how you said that no one's more catholic than others but some people obviously are have known jesus a little more right, before you say that yeah. I, mean, I said no no, well, no Catholic, no no one's more catholic than the other catholic something like that i said you know when we walk through these church when we walk through those church mm-hmm. doors on sunday morning we're all the same it doesn't matter if you're wearing a robe and collar mm-hmm. or sitting up front Cargo shorts or sitting in the back pew at the back pew, at this table you're all God's children. There's no class distinction. There is no order from richer to poorer, or from best Catholic to worst Catholic. No one has special seating. Walk into the sacred space. We should all feel welcomed and embraced. Fair enough. Well, yeah, you said that. But when you said the the heaven part, some people might not really embrace it, because there's some people in the world that might not that have Jesus in their hearts. I don't really know him. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. We know him. Other people know him. Again, we all know him in, in our own way and how we've grown up with faith. But in Mass, some people just go to Mass because it's Sunday. My parents are forcing me to. I'm talking from a kid perspective or an adult perspective um, where we're going because that's the way we've been doing our whole lives. And it's something so beautiful. And we take for granted sometimes granted that hour and receiving Jesus because um, he is the way we we become that one body that you mentioned as well during mass but I don't but I wish I can decipher I think it's something that you wrote uh, we need this bread to get to heaven and we yes. are in the presence of the divine yeah mm-hmm. we are and the the point that I was making in that part of the homily is that we bring so much baggage with us, mm-hmm. and we leave it at the church door because we need we, we need that hour, or we should need that hour, to renew us, to refresh us, to nourish us, to be able to deal with the world. So we need that slice of heaven. We need that, you know, Eucharist. We need to hear the word. We need to hear the word broken open for us, like with the disciples of Emmaus. So it's important for us to 
leave whatever it is, whatever baggage we're carrying, whatever stress we may have, whatever was with us that week, and say, you know what? I'm going to leave it there, or I'm going to leave it at the altar, and say, God, you take care of it. Because for an hour, uh, this is why we approach him with humility, because we need this bread from heaven to endure our earthly journey. For an hour on Sundays, our, we, the brother, the troubles of this world are left by the church's door as we approach this table as one body of Christ and take part in this divine exchange of pure love. It is true. It is a divine exchange. You know, we give ourselves to him. He gives himself to us. Obviously, he gives himself to us more <laughs> than he gave himself on the cross, and he gives himself to us as bread, as food, as this divine bread, the Eucharist, the, holy, the, body, the body of Christ, and which is what we should never take for granted. That, and that's why we need humility. Because when we come into Mass and say, yeah, yeah I got it all figured out. And, and, apply, and you can apply it to priests as well. But when you come up to Mass, and, and, and at least from a priest's perspective, and say, well, I might you know, say it before communion, but you know, I, I could say it before every Mass. Say, I'm not worthy to do this, but yet this is what God has called me to do. And I have to embrace it. But if we're in the pews and say, I'm just here to punch a card and to check the third commandment off my list today. I'm just going to sit here like a log and not take anything in, not be challenged by God, not be moved by God, mm -hmm. not be moved by the words of Scripture. And herein, and herein lies another thing that a great quote, my dad, and I, my dad reminded me about this on Saturday, that so many people complain about, okay, I, I don't understand the homilies. I don't like this priest. I don't like the music in this. Well, I don't like this, I don't like that. My father uh, went to a Bible class one time with a priest who, who died five years ago, but just a holy, holy man. And I went to, speaking of missions, I went to, with him to missions. He was a great Bible uh, teacher. He was talking about the Mass, and he's like, Mass? You don't, go to, you don't go to Mass to be entertained. You want to be entertained? Buy a ticket to the movie theater. You come to Mass to be nourished. You come to Mass to experience God. And if you're just looking at from, you know, from the, let's say, subjective or from the worldly point of view is that I'm not getting anything from it, or I don't like this priest, or I don't like this choir, or I don't like this singer, I don't like the lector who just read it, or whatever it is, or somebody's looking at me funnier, funnier or there's too many kids yes. in mass, or it's too cold, I just ran out in the litany of all you know, the most complaints I get, a little it flower. It is cold. But when we... <laughs> When we better than being hot, True. so when we when we approach it from the worldly standpoint, we're not going to get anything. Mm -hmm. But if we approach it with great humility and say, "I'm here to encounter the living God," nothing else matters. It doesn't matter what priest is up there; he's acting in the person of Christ. He is Jesus Christ for us because he's acting in the person of Christ, bringing Christ to us. And if we don't look at it that way, if we look at it from, you know, you could speak to this better than I do, how many kids have left the church and are now in, you know, different churches, I don't want to call them out, different churches out there because, oh, it's entertaining. They just rolled their eyes. How, how many times have you heard that? So many times. And it hurts me. I'm not going to go on a tangent, but it's so annoying because that's when I. That's when I say, like, yes, people have Jesus in their hearts, but they they're not seeing Jesus, the, the, his like that love. Of course, we 
respect all other religions, you know, this and that, respect one another, love one another. But when you have been a Catholic your whole life, and you can just change overnight, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And it hurts. Like, I'm almost teary-eyed because of it. You have friends that have done that? Unfortunately. And you know what? They're great in their religion. I'm, they're happy. I'm happy. But for That's me, good. There's, there's a part of me, I'm like, I miss that. I miss when we could go to church together. Oh, <laughs> here we go. Is he gets but, very emotional. Um, it is emotional. How you said uh, that sometimes in Mass, we didn't, we, we come to get in, Coming to get nourished, but sometimes we're like, oh, the priest, oh, the homily, or the music. I was actually having a conversation um, with my coworkers literally on Friday, and when I started doing my homily notes, I did it because of that, because there are sometimes that I am a little bored in Mass, that I couldn't get anything. So then for the past what, four years, I've been writing down my homily notes, and that's where I get Jesus' message. I can go back to it, I underline it, I put a star next to it, because in, it's in those words that it might be really two sentences out of 30 minutes of what a priest says. And that's what strikes me. Um, again, other people listen to the homily. They might not listen at all. And then people get different things. Exactly. When you say, am I, you know, when people say, I'm not getting anything out of the Mass, I always ask, what are you putting into it? Mm-hmm. Because, like, for example, you're putting into I'm going to sp- pay more attention to Mass by... Listen very attentively to the homily and writing down the things that hit me. Now, mm-hmm. d- does it ever happen to you? Do you wait to the homily or do you start during the readings and say, maybe this verse from a reading hit uh, me? It depends. So, like today, I wrote right after you read. I mean, the yesterday. Gospel. Yeah, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. Uh, it's really early in the morning. I haven't had coffee yet. Um, but when you said in the gospel, the the humbled will be exalted, I wrote that. And sometimes okay. I do. There I, you go. I, I start writing now, like when the priest talks. This this exercise that you do, it's something that Matthew Kelly, who's a great late Catholic preacher. He's awesome. He said that. He said, take a journal with you to Mass. Write down the things that strike you. And then spend your week. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just one word. Maybe it's just one word. Humility. Take that because that's the word <laughs> that's of the, such a that's big a, word. It's like Pee Wee's Playhouse. I would just take that. But you know, <laughs> say, this is the word of the day, and every time you hear it, you go, ah, everybody goes crazy. But humility, okay, what does that word mean to me? How do I apply it to my life? Mm-hmm. How can I be humble like Mary and Joseph? I could be humble like Christ, who this goes into, you know, into the you know, letter of the Philippians, where Christ, being God, humbled himself, accepting him in death, death on the cross. I'm paraphrasing very beautiful hymn. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, great models of humili- humility. Even St. Augustine, who, whose feast we celebrated yesterday, who, who I quoted, St. Augustine ha- was enticed by all yeah. these things of the world. Read his confessions. His mother, St. Monica, we celebrate on Saturday, prayed impossibly for this young man to be converted. And he was. Not only was he baptized, he became a bishop of the church, became a doctor of the church. And so, talk about humility and all these things that he thought that he had, and he had all this wealthy power and earthly power and wealth. Nah. 
And that's where we, we sometimes are deceived by the world that they say, okay, no, you need to like build yourself up and, and keep climbing that ladder. And, and like I said, there is nothing wrong with that. You know, you're studying, and obviously your end game is not to be a seventh grade eight for the rest of your life, but, you know, you're trying to, to get to where God wants you to be, and that should be the goal of everybody in the spiritual mm-hmm. life. And, and humility is at the essence of it. But we don't get there until we are humble and say, okay, I'm not there yet. God, take me there. That's my homily for next week. Okay, how do we discern God's will? How do we, how do we realize what is it that he's calling us to do? Because if we don't, then, then we're going to end up you know, unhappy, unfulfilled. And, and we, know, we, you know, we know so many people out in the world that maybe in their 40s and 50s and maybe in jobs that they don't like, situations they don't have, but when they were g- going through college, when they were go- did they listen to God's voice, listen to what he wanted them to know? Instead of just chasing after this dream or that dream or this goal or that goal. Mm-hmm. See, that's why God needs to be part of the equation when it comes to what we want and what he wants. They need to be one and the same. And I'm getting ahead of <laughs> the reason I'm getting ahead of it, I already wrote the bulletin column for this weekend because we have Labor Day, <laughs> you know, coming up. And so it's very I tried not to get the two homilies <laughs> confused. Not that I wrote my homily, I wrote the bulletin column. Yeah. You know, which is about discerning God's will. So for you and for kids of your generation, is it something because I'm curious about is it something that, you know, when when you have a goal, is it something that you go at it? you know, full throttle and, and take no prisoners? Or, like you said, your Salesian upbringing, upbringing, not only Salesian, but upbringing here at STS, but their Salesian upbringing, you had a Carmelite and a Salesian upbringing. Does that help you? A- and especially your circle of friends, you know, I'm thinking of all the kids in Africa, all the, the kids who take care <laughs> of the kids in Africa <laughs> in the early 20s. Does it help them to discern God's will? Or is it take no prisoners? Oh, I think it's the upbringing, the upbringing that has helped us a lot. Even if it's someone that went to Catholic school their whole life, they still go back to those lessons, even though they might not be practicing Catholics, because some of my friends aren't practicing Catholics, but they did grow up Catholic, and they still remember those little lessons from religion class in eighth grade or junior year of high school. Um, but going, how do you say, full <laughs> take, like, no prisoners? take no prisoners like saying you know i have this goal no did you finally see honor society on paramount plus i told you to watch it. no i haven't seen it because that's a movie that the premise is a girl who's starting senior year who wants to go to harvard to get out of a little tiny little town that there's a dead end town and she's not <laughs> going to go anywhere there and she just wants to leave and she has like three people that are around her gpa that she needs to like eliminate yeah and so the movie is surprising and how it the twists that and turns that go through that movie. You go from a very ambitious girl to what happens at the end of the movie, which I won't give away. Mm-hmm. But it but she starts off from that take no prisoner and she does get a big dose of being I'm not giving anything away, but she does because it usually happens in these in these movies about <laughs> these characters. You think of all the John Hughes films. You think of, you know, uh all all pretty much every rite of passage movie. Somebody wants to achieve a certain goal and, and is very ambitious and at some point 
gets a big dose of humility, mm-hmm. you know, thrown in their face. So that's why I say watch, and I think it'll, it'll help you <laughs> with, with you in your in your in your career. But yeah, humility. That's why humility is at the center of everything. And even Hollywood uses that as a device. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the, these heroes that we, you know, usually sometimes have to embrace that humility. It also, going about the way of it's my, it's me and the world is mine, take no prisoners, I don't think that's even a smart way to live life, even if you're not in a spiritual place. Because even then, as you said in movies, these characters aren't Catholic. Well, we don't know if they are, but you can mm-hmm. tell that they're not. But at the end of the movie, they get that humble dose. They get that dose of humility already. And again, it's just not a way of living life, no matter if you're if you're a believer or not. And any upbringing that you have as a child will come back to you in your life in the most random moments, which I've experienced with my own friends. That they're like, oh, I remember that. Or my teacher told me that once. It, it stays with you. Now, it's your decision whether to use it in your daily life and not just using little moments. See, and that's, that's what, when I look at young people, especially kids your age, that you have all these lures and all these temptations of the world that can pull you in so many directions. So a lot for Christ. For me, like, you know, I work with a bunch of Juniles and Work here in the parish, and all the kids that come by to my kids that come by for aftercare, good kids, all these wonderful kids that are so that are dearest friends, uh, and I'm proud to be their pastor, <laughs> and I'm proud to to see God at work in them, and not to say that they're, not to say that they're perfect. It'll be the first one to admit that they're not perfect, but it is it is humbling for me to see them at such spiritual maturity, if you will, that you normally don't get, um, that you normally don't get at that age. Because I remember going through seminary, and it's like, no, nah, man. Especially as I got further and further, it's like, hey, I don't need to learn. I, I'm, I got this. <laughs> I got this. I'm I ready. Got, I'm ready. But I, I, got, I, I got that in my seventh year. I, and I'm like, nope. nope. And, and, and again, God slapped me down. <laughs> like whenever you get, you get to the mountaintop, there's always somebody there to knock you off that mountaintop. Sometimes it's God himself. Yeah. Because he's like, yeah, I know this is my throne. Get out. <laughs> and this is true. So that's why, when to bring it full circle, that's why when we enter, when we go to Mass, we always have to enter through that, with that sense of humility. Because we need it. Because if not, we're not going to get anything out of the Mass. I've seen God's not going to penetrate that heart of stone of yours if you don't allow yourself bring that wall down and say, "Speak, Lord, your servant is listening." It was a communion song yesterday? Here I am, Lord. Love that song. I was giving out communion, and I was trying not to cry because that song, it, the lyrics, everyone needs to to, to to hear it and really meditate upon. That's the song that I was. That doesn't so many times that the song that I was singing to myself preached today. That you know, I the Lord of Sea and Sky have heard my people cry, who will bear my love to them? Who shall I send? Lyrics there. But then you know, here and then 
the response is, here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people. Heart. I mean, if that's it's not... so the, good. It is very good. <laughs> Man, for a priest, and that's what I do every day. I really need to bring tissues every <laughs> next time you come to, to, do, to record the podcast. So, but no, it, it, is, a, it is a great song. Um, my friends, you must never take the Mass for granted, just like I n- never take those who help me in ministry for granted, like Izzy, like Jorge, like the people in the staff of the parish or the school. We can never take anything for granted. We, need to, we must learn from each other, especially from God. <laughs> we must cherish this gift our Lord gives us at Mass, at the Last Supper. Here we are all given a place of honor. Here we are all honored by Christ who gives us the gift of himself in the Eucharist. So magnificent, so humbling. And if our Lord honors us and serves us in such an extraordinary way, shouldn't we honor and serve each other just the same? You know, that was how I ended my homily yesterday. And I think it's a lesson for all of us. So, humility, Izzy. You need to help good dosing, a good dose of it every day. With seventh graders, you get it every <laughs> single day. Izzy, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Padre. All right, and uh, we look forward to having you more during season four. Please, she's still crying, folks. Just want to <laughs> let you know, you can't see it, but she's still crying. And and we thank you for your contributions to this podcast and everything mm. you do for our parish and and for Encuentros and for the archdiocese. And she and I'm just making her cry even more. And she's like, yeah, you you walked the Duffies tonight. <laughs> All right. (laughs) All right. That's it. Humility. I'll end it with the same way I ended my homily yesterday. What I tell the kids. Humility. You know when you understand humility, when you realize that he is God and you are not. running back. Wow. That's your fiance's boy. Exactly. It's yeah, a no-brainer. He's a Hall sentence. of Famer. <laughs> that guy just... No, but... Just... No. Get out of here. What was that last night? All right. It's time for college football. And since Jorge's not here, I brought in our new associate, Father Andrew, who loves all things college football. We enjoyed college football. Father Andrew... How are you this morning? Oh, doing wonderful. How was it to see? How was it to see football on your TV, competitive football on your TV this weekend? Well, it helps me to keep my mind off the Yankees. <laughs> now, the only real—we were talking about this before we went on the air. The only real game that you know was intriguing was the Nebraska Northwestern game in Ireland, and you—if you were talking about that, oh, that I, I slept so the second fun. second half. I was I was tired, but how was it fun? Well, I just love to watch Nebraska lose. I'm, you know, Miami Hurricanes fan, so uh-huh. watching Nebraska lose is uh, the way part of the fun lost. of life. Of because when you go up 11, you, you know, let's try an onside kick. Why, why don't you? Yeah, why not? Now, you, you were telling me something happened when, when Nebraska's driving for the winning score to throw the game-ending interception. What happened yeah, in the Yeah, I saw this, this hilarious video of all of the fans. I guess they had, they had a fan zone in Lincoln, Nebraska. And that and they game, travel well. And they travel. They traveled well. Yeah. But they had that that interception, 
and you see like 500 people do the surrender cobra all that at once. Surrender cobra, for those who don't know, is that put you put, hands put your hands heads. on your heads and you're like, <laughs> you look like a cobra. You're like, what just happened? <laughs> but that could have been for the entire game. And it's surprising because Scott Frost did so well at UCF. with be- By the way, with better talent. I mean, it has to be said. You get Florida talent. Nebraska hasn't had blue chip talent since they left the Big 12 or the Big 8 or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but some of this, I mean, you mentioned the onside kick. It's been unforced errors. No, Scott Frost, somebody said, oh, one of the writers said, oh, Hamill or, or um, Pat Forty that said, basically, he, he does this stuff. Mark Whipple is our offensive coordinator for, for Kane's fans. And Fandible. he threw him under the bus. He threw him After under the, the bus. Game, the offensive staff needs to, be, needs to keep this. I mean, that's your staff. That's You're the ones making the call. But it was good to see. And Mark Whipple was, I mean, at least in Miami, he was creative. He, he was very time. creative. He, he kind of had, had issues. He had Brad Kaya, didn't he? Oh, no. no, that's way ahead of him. Brad Kaya was, uh, no, was, was James Foley. Okay. Oh, look at that. So but the uh, no, he was there with. Under, he was under Dave Aranda. Now I think he had Jacory Harris. There were a couple other games. Uh, obviously, FSU played that powerhouse known as Duquesne. You know, <laughs> good. God bless them. They won. Hey, last year they lost that game. Ja- Jacksonville State, and you were making the point the other day that UM, unlike UF and FSU. UM has not lost to a, a D, oh, uh, yeah. an FCS team. <laughs> well, you know, you have to look for optimism where you can find it as a Miami fan. No, I don't want to be too pessimistic. No, no. But for are, all of our struggles, we've never, we haven't had a losing season. Nope. In the in, last in, 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 Sometimes. I mean, in a, in a long, long time. And we haven't uh, lost to a or a mm-hmm. We haven't lost to a Mac school. We lost to USF. I mean, that that. We lost well. to FIU. And F- oh, that's, that, that's, to me, that's the lowest point in the program. Because, you were, were you there? I was there. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, we're going there. I was in seminary. Yeah. No, we were, right, so we're going there. We're going to the footprint of the Orange Bowl, relive the glory days. And, and of course, everybody's faking uh, hamstring injuries. And brilliant strategy by Butch. It got him to win the game. And what's Butch doing these days? God bless Butch. So we're going to talk about this year. Yeah. Miami's ranked 16th in the country on the eight people. I want to say 16th or 17th in the, in the coaches' poll. And we play Bethune-Cookman, powerhouse Bethune-Cookman, so we shouldn't ask too much stones at Florida State. Uh, yes, Miami's ranked 16th in the country, ahead of Michigan State and below Pitt. I think Pitt and North Carolina State are too high, but we'll talk about that in a second. As we go in, Mario starts. Uh, TBD comes back at quarterback. What is your realistic assessment of your Canes? Now, Father Andrew di- is bona fide Canes fan. He graduated from UM before going to seminary. So what is your realistic assessment for the Hurricanes in 2022? I guess we'll see in week three when they head to College Station. Yay now. And I don't expect, you know, I'm not, look, I'm realistic. And of course, all the hype around Desmond Howard picked them to win the national championship. Yeah, and he put Pitt in the playoff. I mean, Pittsburgh. come on. I mean, you know, no. So I'm not convinced that AM, all the hype is there. I mean, look, AM is not going to beat Georgia and Alabama. Nope. But back to Miami. I think it could be one of the two. I, I don't know if they're, be, they're beating, playing Georgia because they're in the NCC West. But, yeah, but, I, they if, could, they, they but could, if they beat Alabama, they'll be in the national. Yeah, Alabama. that's true. That's true. But 
I think, look, I want to see Miami go in there and be competitive. If they can be competitive in College Station, I mean, they can run a good number of the AP Miami fan <laughs> we lose the dumb games. It's, we do. We haven't beaten North Carolina in four years. Which, we I mean, lose they've been, the, they've been the an Virginia? okay program. We lose Virginia, Virginia all the time. So we beat those guys. And I think I think, I think that's a big step that we take us on, that we're going to start beating those teams in the And then be in the conversation for the, well, this is the last year of the Coastal, but the ACC championship. You know, we should win the Coastal. I mean, we should have won the coastal the past 10, no, 15 no, years. No, we should have won. Should have won at least. One. If you would, when when you came into the conference, if you would have told me we would have won a basketball championship, both regular season and po- and tourney, before we won a football one, I said you're crazy. We're never going to win the basketball designed, with the blue bloods there. They designed the conference to have Miami and Florida State. Absolutely, and then, no, it's not. Which we are like, we don't we, we don't want to play Florida State again because the thing is that. Going back, and, and these are for the people that, that you know, remember Miami before ACC. Florida State and Miami back in the 90s, when they played, that decided the national championship. In 91, I remember when when the first wide right, I was watching the game with my brother, and I'm like, we're winning the national championship. We're winning, and we went on to the bowl game. Orange Bowl, we won the national championship. 2000, it held us out of it. 2000, well, but that was, that, that was did, the, compu- the computers. You know, the, that, that was a com- forget Washington, you know, we were talking about Tui Asasopo the other day. You know, the computers held us out because there's no reason why we wouldn't should have been in the top ten football team. That was that year. It was, but we should have been in the championship, and we would have kicked the crap out of Oklahoma in that game. I think I think. So, too. so you know. we have just just to go through the list: Bethune Cookman, Southern Miss, mm-hmm. go to the Aggies, Middle Tennessee, North Carolina is here on on a Saturday. So we're it's not a Thursday night, and we we don't have any Thursday night games. Nope. Wow. Uh, North Carolina's out here. Virginia Tech on the road on the 15th. Blue, Duke Blue Devils here. Uh, we're on the road for at Virginia. Florida State here on November 5th. Georgia Tech, which is awful. It's going to be awful this year. November 12th. Clemson, Death Valley, November 19th. The the and then Pitt right after that. And those, and Pitt, you know, is number 17 in the poll. Of course, Desmond Howard. You know, everybody was laughing at him when he put Pitt in the playoff. And win the ACC title over Clemson, over North Carolina State. Now, can you tell me why North Carolina State is so highly ranked? I don't get it. I mean, what did they do last? I don't remember De- what they did De- last year. Devin Leary has an absolute veteran quarterback, and they've got talent. We, mean, have, a, got we have a veteran quarterback. That's no, I know. Him. I know. They've got they've got talent on line. Where do you think is we our beat them last year? We did. Where do you think is our biggest weakness on this team? Miami's weakness? Well, we're going to see. Not, we're not going to see the next um, this week, that's for sure. Quick, because I've been reading up. There's a little bit of concern about the right side of the offensive line. The left side will be shored up if they get time. I know. we got a lot of the transfer. But you've got, you've got Pace. You've got a couple guys on the right side of the line. Now, that's what about Ball's de- thing? Right. What about defense? Because linebacker, linebacker play. Miami used to be linebacker. Thing. You and, and I think you know they're deep in the secondary. Got Always deep there, in the secondary, and they've got talent. And I think, look, Ball is a guy. 
got Jason Taylor serving as a defensive analyst, so that's good. He's so, done with the preseason Dolphin thing. So he's exclusively for the Canes now. But you know how it is. Miami used to have it, where you had, you know, you had uh, backed up by that team. That was you know, that was a Rose Bowl team. That was amazing. Uh, you know, and you had that in the safeties too. You had Don Taylor was a backup of the Rose Bowl. So the point, well, and and on a more modern, you know, you Alabama, you know, oh, SEC team, they just pulled the depth, out. and I think that's, you know, that Mario. You know, I'm confident Mario can get it. So realistically, we go through the year. We make we. I I see us in Charlotte beginning of December. Do we beat Clemson so once or twice? Well, talk about the end of the year. Let's see if that's valid. Not and only are they home. good, but that's also the kind of game. Not 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 in terms of but It'll be how a physical game. Yeah. Be yeah. Going into the pit game. Because Pitt's, Pitt's a physical team too. Clemson Those are know, two tough games to finish. Having watched Clemson against Miami the past chunk of years. Where they killed us was on the line of scrimmage. And that's also a matter of Yeah, we should have played Clemson last year when we had it down here. Yeah, are we going to be healthy toward the end of the year? Um, we'll see. I mean, look, it, Miami takes care of what it can take care of. Nine and three is realistic. I mean, yeah, and I do. I mean, because I don't really chalk up anything to the game. Because see what the team looks like in because, because you could see the winner of the ACC hopefully getting into the playoffs, or hopefully we're a strong enough conference to do that. And maybe if we come running up, we get an Orange Bowl berth. If not, we're in the Campion World, the Russell Athletic Bowl, whatever they call it now, the one in, in um, Orlando. We got to get a better second bowl tie-in. For the, should be a New Year's Bowl for the East by December 17th. I've I always mean, said that. We used to be in the Gator Bowl. The AC used to have the, the Gator Bowl tie-in, which was January 1st. I, don't I mean, I it. agree with you, but. Right now, which is, is the ACC going to survive? No, I mean, that, that's the next thing I wanted to talk to you about. And good segue because we saw UCLA and USC, you know, bolting from the Pac-12 to the geographical, you know, make geographical sense to go to the Big Ten, the Midwest, and now you have in the, and Big Ten has Rutgers in Piscataway, New Jersey. Now can't wait for those uh, cross-country flights for either team. And we were talking about over the weekend. What are the yes? What's uh, what's uh, what's what's we have these two big you know mega conferences that are forming with the SEC with Oklahoma and Texas bolting for them in a couple of years, and now USC USC and UCLA. We have these two mega conferences. The ACC, what's holding us back, is a grant of rights because we it'll cost us money if we leave the ACC because the ACC has rights to our home games. So now if we televise it, they have till twenty thirty six. Crazy. So we were talking about where do you prefer to go? And I, I pose that to you. If we had to choose between the SEC and the Big Ten, where do you prefer going? Well, so. And I don't think we do this out Florida you, State. You don't want to consider money at all. No, but, but that's it. But see, because the money I don't, deal does matter. It does. No, but it, it doesn't matter to you and me. We're priests. 
You know, no, I what know. matters is, you know, is traditional right. Like, for example, this Thursday, Pittsburgh and West Virginia, longtime rivals that when they went to different conferences, the backyard, when they were both in Big East teams, the backyard brawl, which was a huge game, stopped. And so they're re- resuscitating it on Thursday, and everybody in both fan bases are going crazy looking for it. Texas, I mean, we talked about Nebraska. The games of the century, every year. Nebraska, they're playing this year? Yeah, Nebraska, Oklahoma, they're playing, I think, in three weeks mm-hmm. in Lincoln. You know, those are great teams. And when Nebraska bowled to the Big Ten, same thing with Texas and Texas A&M. They don't play anymore. So the rivalries, they don't care about the rivalries. They're caring about, I believe, the number I heard throw out for the Big Ten was $75 million per school. Now, in the old days, when you went to the bowl games, you whatever the, they gave you as a, as a school to the, for the bowl, I believe it was $8, $10 million, you kept it. That's why they say, you know, in the, in the U documentary, Michael Irvin and all these characters say, you know, you know, they see that building over there? Yeah, we built that. You see that building? Yeah, we built that. But so these they're they're in it for the money. So where where are you gonna get because here's the thing what I say. We're not doing anything without Florida State. Just like the Big Ten poached USC and UCLA, I don't think we go anywhere without Florida State. So the question is, do you stay geographically, make sense at SEC, but Big Ten? Well the rivalry. Obviously, the SEC brings them back into a rivalry. They'll still figure out a way to get out of it. But that's the only one. But that's the only one. I would – I mean, if you want to go based on on teams, speaking serious since I won the weekend, if we we keep Florida State, yeah, if we go Big Ten, say Notre Dame ends up in the Big Ten That's what I was going to say. You have Notre Dame again. Mm -hmm. And I'm, of course, even if it's not that large a series, played Michigan once in 88. But that would be fun. But that would be fun, yeah. And I think that... We beat them when I was in college. That was was the pinnacle of my college career as a UN fan. (laughs) When it was the in-between year, it was Luke Fickle (laughs) coaching Ohio State. And the quarterback, I forget who he was. How to go to Ohio... Rob Pryor was gone. So... But uh, But there's a lot of changes. We beat them. And the last time... By the way... Happened in my college years with the last two years of Randy Shannon and the first two years of Bill Last two years were fans. But in my college years, in Miami, we beat Ohio State, beat Oklahoma. Yeah, I remember that the, one too. The, Sam Bradford was hurt. That was the Miami game. Um, There you go. But there's so many changes happening in college football. And really, and that's, in the, that's off-season talk because once they kick the ball off, I mean, the real kickoff is this weekend. Yeah. Uh, and you have good games. You have Georgia and, and Oregon. You have uh, Alabama and Texas. Alabama and Texas this week or the no. week after? No. You have Alabama. Oh, no. Oh, you it? got Ohio State and Notre Dame. Oh, Ohio State and Notre Dame is one this week. You've got, uh, you got Florida State LSU, LSU on Sunday. Sunday. Have fun in the swamp, you guys. <laughs> well, in the swamp, you've got Florida and Utah. Or in the actual swamp, you know, in the in yeah. um, Utah's that's U- a good team. No, Utah's that's a, a favored team. They're favored that week. I haven't they're, looked at the lines. Florida's not ranked, and Utah's in the top ten. No, I mean, but going into the swamp, it's not. You know, Utah's in a high elevation. They're coming down. Uh there's some pretty. Yeah, what's, what's the what's the Labor Day game? I I, I saw it yesterday, and I, I I'm blanking on it now. Usually, it's an ACC battle, or yeah, it used to be. It used to be 
Florida State Miami, which were horrible games. Those games were horrible. Uh, and I'll look it up. I'll look it up now. But there's so many great games. It's just great to be talking about college football because uh, it's, it's, it's I think Clemson, Clemson Georgia Cle- Tech. Clemson yeah. Georgia Tech and Georgia Tech is not by any stretch play, being played in Atlanta and by any stretch of the United Nations. Georgia Tech is not well, the old. More yeah, the they're not the old wishbone that used to give you fits uh, offense. They're they've been they've been lost that that team. But we need a strong ACC. I unless the ACC and this is the only way the ACC survives. I th- I mean from a basketball standpoint, yes, it'll survive. But from a football standpoint, you got to go into the Big Twelve, start poaching people and say, you know, Virg- West Virginia, you belong in the ACC, which they do. Uh, I don't know if you go after you a UCF. The problem which is West UCF Virginia doesn't move the needle. No, they don't either. It's just that. Money it's just that, no. I'm just saying that in terms of rivalry, West Virginia was the first team when we were in the Big East. They were the first team to beat us in the Big East. That was way into our Big East tenure, and that I was get big. That, but how does that help? I mean, I, no, I it understand. doesn't help. I'm just saying from a rivalry standpoint. Sure. Versus West Virginia has to travel to Lubbock, Texas, to play games. You know, and that, and that's what I don't get in terms of UCLA and USC. Now I get the money, but. And unless they, the Big Ten poaches Oregon and Washington, which they Arizona State and Arizona, which they might, you know, there's no geographic sense to that. But again, that's all off-season talk. What matters is when they kick off the the ball on really kick off the ball this weekend, then we really see, you know, everything is focused on the field, and and it goes yeah. back to you know, there's not parity in. Look at the you look at the rankings. The rankings are the usual suspects: Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, and can we talk about Notre Dame at number five? What's that what's all about? Notre Dame. But what's the posters love Notre Dame? But if they go into a bowl game and they get their you know they get their butts kicked. Yeah, but it goes back to you know to Terry. KJ said you can't let you can't let you know Notre Dame is going to be Notre Dame. You never won a national championship since I was born. I know. Bef- before you were born. 88, and they shouldn't have won that one either because Cleveland Gary didn't fumble. So put that in the, in the, in the comments. Um, Look, the thing, I think to your point, I think this is Miami's future conference realignment is going to be football gets Miami moving in the right direction, football gets back into relevance. I think Miami's relevant a football right school, and I love my Canes baseball. That's not, you know. <laughs> And but basketball, uh, we went to Elite Eight last year. Yeah, but that well, and Coach L is who we wanted to retirement at the beginning of last season. But football gets the needle moving. What Miami talked about again, it's going to help them. And they've been talked about in all the previous shows. I mean, I I I saw the Fox preview this week, and I saw the the ESPN preview. They were talked about. They were talked about. Because now, Miami's Miami. not winning the conference, but but a lot everybody had them in the, in the title game in Charlotte. Well, the thing is this: Miami. My take is that the world it. always wants the football world wants Miami to be good, not to actually win. Like that's once we get in the national title game, they want to pound us. That's why you put Terry Porter. In, but in they the want back Miami there the for the attention, and so the point is, Miami gets you know if Miami does its job and gets in the. Miami wins the ACC, they're going to be in the playoffs. Oh, no, for sure. We were on t- that trajectory when that year we beat Notre and Dame. And people will love seeing them in the playoffs. So we lost to Pitt and then Clemson. But so, it, you know, it's there for the taking. It's just a matter of 
No, we, we have adjusting to the new world of color. That's the other thing. If we think about, you know, Black Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter movement, how radically different it is not even just watch those old highlights. I watch Ron Taylor and Andrew Tate guy sitting in the no, no, that would be uh, <laughs> targeting and you know unnecessary roughness, but and you're suspended for too, fifteen it's games. Just the world is changing. NIL, transfer portal. But Mario, he knows how to recruit his team. Yeah, we and truth be told, in Miami we've never paid attention to recruiting because Ed Reed was not a five-star recruit. Probably one of the best. Let's uh, really quickly, because we've already gone over an hour and Jorge's going to kill me. It always happens when he's not here. That's kind of his fault. Uh, so uh, we're going to the Marlins game today to watch him play the best team in the national exhibition, basically, uh, Los Angeles Dodgers for our parish outing. And um, I give you the floor. As to The Yankees had won five in a row, and then we go into Oakland. We split the seri series with them. And uh, the last two games, uh, their bats, they decided to leave them at the airport. I don't know what happened. You're taking the Yankees as we head into the final uh, well, month I of mean, the season. I am. One hit on Saturday. And yeah, we went to extra innings. And that's the big thing. Why do you think pitching is so Pitching's been better. Um, pitching, the, the, the starting pitch overall has been better. Again, we have issues from the past month as well. Chapman but goes on the aisle with a tattoo injury. <laughs> just, Chapman, uh, just I awesome. wanted Chapman off the team. They should have traded him. Yeah. A year. But no, we, we, we still have a month. And you know they're still in first place. They're going to be in first place. But the thing is, we got to we got to stay. Have in to the win in Houston. No, we, we we have to win in Houston to get there, and we have to be in the top two of the division leaders, which we will be. They will be. Uh, to to not to get the buy in the in the. They've got three games against the division. The Angels swept the Blue Jays. The Angels. Oakland's not a good team. The Angels are not a good team. I don't know why they're not a good team. That's another story. Uh, we actually Jorge and I just yeah Jorge and I discussed that earlier. Trout's hurt. But Trout, I heard, was working as well. I know mean, he's not going to be ready for this series, but Otani, I mean, he's bolting at, at Angels games before, even I before would. he's done because nothing's going to happen. Looking at Trout's career and his generational talent's been wasted in uh, in, in Anaheim. So uh, that's – and then the Marlins. Well, it's what the Red Sox and the Cubs are doing for us. Yeah. <laughs> I just throw that in. Yeah, you had to throw that in there. So we're going to the Marlins game tonight. Uh, Pablo Lopez is on the mound against who may, who I think is going to beat Sandy Alcantara because more name recognition. His ERA is a little bit lower than than Sandy, and I don't know why I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, we're playing, excuse me, we're playing uh, Gonsolin, who's uh, 15 and one with a 2.10 ERA, and he's nasty. and he's playing for a winning ball club. So. Uh, but but it makes what Sandy's done, and Sandy had a complete game on Saturday, beating the Dodgers. The Marlins are just a disaster organization. Who right now, if we see their left, 
Lujan running the team. I mean, King N, the other day, he elite DFA's Jesus Aguilar. Uh, nobody's picked him up as of this recording. And he was DFA'd on Friday. Uh, I don't get it. I mean, why do you wait until now? Look, I know these guys need at-bats, but you know, that's a veteran clubhouse presence. You have to pay him anyways. So, I mean, it's just, I mean, hopefully it's a good game. Pablo Lopez is a good pitcher. And, and I want to see what this other guy's got. You know, still good. Walker Bueller is out for the season, but they have Dustin May coming back. The Dodgers, it's going to be the Dodgers. Uh, it's going to be the Dodgers and Mets in the NLCS in the uh, National League. And really, I, I don't see Houston getting beat. Dodgers and Mets. No, you do. Wild card series. We're talking it's about a, it's a three. It's a three game series. It's an advantage. And that's what happens in October, because if we would have played, if we would have had the playoffs or the postseason, the Cardinals or the Padres. Cardinals came back to one. Padres aren't going to get hot, but but Tatis. But you know some of these other teams. National League can kind of be like that. Yeah, but I but I don't see I don't see Houston's hurt. No, but I don't see I don't see anybody because the Yankees aren't beating Houston. The Yankees haven't beaten Houston since twenty sixteen. So so, I, but I think it's between the Dodgers and Mets. I mean, hey, you, you got to play the game, right? And the Dodgers so and Mets is going to be the Yankees a run into. Look, if the Yankees show up and start playing like they did in June, absolutely, they'll beat Houston. Oh no, for sure. But even but even in June, we couldn't beat Houston when we were hot. But, but I need to see Garrett Cole shutting it down. Verlander went out yesterday. And I don't know how long that was. And Stanton needs to be. But Verl- the Yankees don't beat Verlander. And Stanton needs to be the Stanton of 2017 also. And that's and that's the key. All right, we've gone on too long, and and now Hori's probably sitting here, sitting in Dominican Republic, saying, "Tell him to shut up." And we will. Uh, this next week, our Labor Day episode, we will have an episode. Uh, Ashley will join us to preview the NFL season as we overreact to everything we saw uh, in our last preseason game. We did see it. I, we will talk about the 51-yard play to open up the game. Father Andrew, thank you for joining us. And remember from the first segment, uh, it's all about humility. Remember that he is God. You are not. Just abandon yourself to the Lord, and we will talk to you next week. May Almighty God bless you. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.